What's up, guys? Tanner here. Episode four of Muscle Orchestra. After an enormous amount of fan backlash, they said, you can't come back. You can't come back. Well, we're doing it. I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Chris. Chris, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm I'm great. I am just just dandy. Uh, so it's been a while. Uh, it's been like four months uh, since we last recorded. Uh, so a lot has happened in those four months. We we have each attended quite a few wrestling shows, actually. Like I, when the year started, I did not expect to re- really attend any wrestling shows, and I've been to like seven shows this year. It's actually kind of wild. Yeah, I have I have not been to that many shows, uh, but. I've been to at least one major show. But before we get into our summer escapades, uh, I wanted Chris, we originally planned to do this like around the time that Chris like announced uh, the Chris 100 2010s. But I want Chris to like take a second and walk us through the Chris 100 2010s. What, What exactly is the Chris 100 2010s and how you can get involved. Your voice matters. Yeah, your voice your voice does matter. If you're still in line, stay in line. Stay, stay in line. Um, so, uh, if you're listening to this, you probably are at least familiar with me. Uh, if not through Twitter, through uh, running the Chris 100 Wrestler of the Year poll. Uh, and a few years back when uh, Sam was running the WDKW 100 every year, uh, he had plans to do a best of the 2010s list. Uh, but he, uh, like, when he stopped doing the list, obviously the best of decade uh, went out as, as well as the. Uh, his plan, any plans to do the best of the 2010s. So there has, there still has not been uh, a a poll from the people about the best wrestlers of the 2010s. Uh, and I have kind of toyed about around with that for months. Um, but I was working at a job that had me completely burn out even during regular Chris 100 season. And so doing another project like this just was not in the cards with my, with my energy levels because I would just go home and collapse. Uh, but now I'm working a job that doesn't, uh, make me hate my life and make, I have energy to do things uh so i did officially launch a few weeks ago uh the chris 100 for the 20 for the 2010s uh it will be uh voting will be after uh the 2023 chris 100 just because it's so late in the year that i announced it and i don't want uh i don't want those things to overlap that much because that's just a lot on my plate uh but yeah starting next spring you will be able to vote uh 
for your favorite wrestlers of the 2010s. Uh, I am in the process of moving the Chris 100 to WordPress because Blogspot pissed me off too much the past few years. And uh, there is actually now a Chris 100 uh, forum. Because uh, every that's what everyone wanted. Everyone was telling me, uh, where can uh, Twitter? Twitter is X now. It's dying. It's a dying website. Uh, where can I do? Uh, where can I do discourse on wrestling? The good discourse. Uh, and I can tell you uh, that you can do that at thechris100.freeforums.net. And I, hell, I think that's yeah. all I have to say. But uh, I mean, I'm very excited. I've already started watching watching some tapes for uh, my personal list. I've uh, been catching some of uh, the late the late TNA uh, AJ Styles before he went to New Japan. Uh, I am currently working on trying to compile every uh, Wotan match of the past decade that actually made tape. Um, so I will probably be posting that on my Twitter when I've actually compiled it, uh, because he is a guy that I would love to see high on the list, because at least his top-tier stuff uh, against Damus and Hio de Fishman and... Uh, Black Terry, that stuff's all great. So I'm excited to like really, really dig deep in into his 2010s. But yeah, uh, it's very exciting. I'm excited to get it going. Obviously, we're still several months away from even voting started, but uh, be on the lookout for uh, more updates as that comes closer to fruition yeah it's really interesting too because i feel like you said you were putting together like the the complete 2010s wotan list it's interesting too just and chris i don't know how you watch wrestling but typically like once say for example 2018 becomes 2019 i tend not to dabble back into 2018 too much at least for a couple of years like i, I won't go yeah. back to the previous years for a while so yeah I you're think... either you're either watching the newest stuff or if you're mm -hmm. watching older stuff it's like older stuff yeah it's like 80s like and 90s yeah you're watching you're watching your like 90s all japan you're watching your 2000s noah you're watching your attitude era wwf stuff like that uh and i mean that's that is kind of what I like about this list being a little bit removed from the decade of the 2010s is mm -hmm. that especially, especially in like the pre streaming era, there's, uh, I, I think that it's very interesting to go back into some of some more of that stuff. And because now, now we're just in this era where everything is like you've got everything at your fingertips you can watch basically any indie show that happened uh in the past year like everything is making tape and so 
I do think it is really fun to like go in to Lucha, like the Lucha DB and search Wotan and be like, oh, okay, so I can watch. It seems like there are like 10 matches I can watch before the year 2015. Yeah. And it's funny, too, especially uh, at least in my personal like Twitter bubble. It seems like a lot of guys I'm specifically talking about, like guys like Jom and like CFOs that have come and they've really like shined a light on like the amateur Japanese scene and just like the indies of the indie Japan promotions. And they have, I mean, not a lot, but comparatively to like their history, they have a good bit on tape from the 2010s that I just don't think a ton of people have seen. Yeah, they're there there are a lot of soldiers out there yeah who doing in god's the, work and yeah uh doing a lot of good work uh trying to archive a lot of j indies what they can buying like cuz i mean these these shows there is tape of them but it like until now until like someone takes an interest in that, it's just like some guy online who's selling the footage to whoever, yep. whoever is willing to pay for it, and like getting more of that, like, uh, spreading the gospel of Katayano and all like those kinds of guys. Uh, it's very important work, and very excited to like see what I like you can find because, yeah, like we're in it, we're in the era era where like if a tenryu project show happens i mean it's probably not going to be online as quickly as uh a, the g1 you might have to wait a little bit but like like freedoms or a produce show tenryu pro produce uh any of the smaller joshi promotions uh like wallaby pro like whatever like you you can like even find some of the like the most random stuff pretty quickly now but like getting getting those rare shows of the past decade past mm -hmm. beyond the decade is so cool to dive into and it really breaks you out of the habit especially if you're like in a rut with modern wrestling you can it, it is always very nice to go back and see like what were my favorite guys doing 10 years ago yeah exactly and two like i mean first of all we're covering or you're covering like a whole decade with this so like you know 2010 2019 but it's nice too that like we're not asking people or like it's not asking people to like be like, oh, well, you know, define this. Like, it, you know, it's like grainy or like honestly unwatchable. Most of the stuff that made tape in the 2010s is it's pretty watchable. I mean, even I mean, even yeah, the even, part even of a the, fan, even a yeah. fan cam is going to be like a fan cam from 2011 is still probably going to be like as far as quality of footage it's going to be better quality than like a fan cam from 1986 or whatever yeah unless you're that one guy that was traveling japan doing all the fan cams for all japan in like 91 92 that is somehow 
the most insane quality video I've ever seen from anything from that era ever. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm personally excited. Like 20, 2011 is w- really when I started to get into like Japanese wrestling and I really started to watch Lucha. So I'm excited to revisit a bunch of stuff. But two, there's just so much stuff from the decade that I missed um, that I'm excited to to dive into. Like like you said, like I'd like you compiling that Wotan list. I'm like hell yeah, because I've probably seen God ten Wotan matches maybe from the 2010s, and they're all like match of the year contenders for lack of a better term from that year. So like, how high can a guy that has maybe 30 matches on tape in a decade reasonably make it on the list. And, and uh, he actually, about. he actually has more than that. Uh, I, cause I kind of looked at how many matches he had listed on cage match and it wasn't, it wasn't a ton. And I figured, okay, half of this is not going to be on tape in any way. Uh, but obviously cage match is not a very reliable resource for the, for uh, for Lucha, especially indies. Yeah. Uh, because, like, you have no idea. Like, a lot of shows are just local produce that isn't necessarily connected to uh, a promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if, like, so, like, the show might be listed on Lucha DB, but unless someone wants to convert all of that to uh to cage match a lot of that's not going to be on cage match and uh, unfortunately there just aren't as many people interested in archiving lucha as there are american and japanese wrestling uh so like while i've kind of been in the trenches of lucha db i'm just like wow there is a lot more footage of wotan like maybe not pre 2015 because that seems to be when a lot of indie lucha promotions started uploading more on youtube and giving the footage to mas lucha and estrella's del ring and stuff like that but i mean there's there's more footage than you think and that's one of that's another thing that's so fun about uh, doing this is like really finding the cracks in even what is like known to exist from a guy and like like seeing a match that maybe a hundred like going on YouTube and finding a match that like maybe a couple hundred of people have seen and being like oh shit this is awesome and it's from like 2014 and like I gotta, I gotta get people onto this. Yeah, and and two, like, th- there's so many like newer people in the circle too that like just wasn't around for like the the discourse. Like, I mean, you and I, we we've been in the tw- in the Twitter trenches for a, for a hot minute. But yeah. I, I'm interested to see like some of these newer people's takes on even some of the more hype stuff from the 2010s that just doesn't get talked about a lot more. Like, I would love to see. I know a ton of people have watched it, but I would love to see like somebody's reaction to like Shibata Okada now. And yeah. Ha- how does it play, you know, knowing, you know, how their careers go from that point forward and like the context really helps too. So that that's what I'm excited about with this project. And also again, just 
diving and seeing what I personally can find. And especially because there was a time period where even like some of like there was this huge purge, if you don't know, of Puro shows like off the Internet entirely uh, that had to essentially be like re-upped like show by show. And there was hundreds of shows like I know for a long time, like trying to find 2015 or 2016 Big Japan in like 2017 or 2018 was like impossible because it had all been purged off the internet. But now that that stuff has kind of come back to, you know, other websites and stuff like that's what I'm excited about. Yeah. And I mean, I I've been in the trenches for, for years, but like I got back into wrestling in 2015. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the period right before that is probably my biggest blind spot. And so this has also just been a, like, good way to kind of address everything I haven't seen from that era. Like, because, like, like we were talking about, like, you're either watching the newest stuff or you're watching, like, much older stuff. And that was, like, when I got back into wrestling in 2015 i was watching all of the newest promotions or i was watching stuff from like the mid 2000s and backwards and i wasn't really addressing anything in that like lost decade i had and now i i'm getting to see a, a bunch of that and like like i i've seen some like some of the famous matches from there like obviously i've seen punk versus cena and i've seen uh like aj styles new japan run started a little bit before i was into new japan so i've seen like uh him and nakamura and him and naito and like and him and abushi and stuff like that but it's just like well i haven't like watched a lot of stuff from a given g1 or whatever before that so it's just really cool to go back into it and i just hope uh other people are interested in digging too and like i it's another beautiful thing about it being like a decade project is that you can approach it from so many ways yeah uh because like because like obviously you can talk about the the guys who have worked all decade you can talk about uh i'll just name cena because he's a big like obviously a big one who worked full-time most of the decade or abushi or like zach saber jr walter or someone like that or it's just like you've got your Yuki Ishikawa's and your Keitayano's who uh they're already working fewer dates and you have to dig for some of the stuff they're doing uh but it's always like top quality so it's just like there are so many ways you can like put your own valuations on quality top quality consistency uh how much they worked uh because i mean like even someone who's going to end i'm predicting will end up very high like uh daniel bryan brian danielson uh 
he was re- medically retired for multiple years of the decade. Yeah. So even then you've you've got like you've got a lot of stuff to consider when uh making your list and no one's going to go about it the same way and that's what's cool. Yeah. And and two so many promotions have like I mean, just in the 2010s, off the top of my head, you have New Japan getting a ton of traction in the West. You know, some of the better G1s ever are in that decade. PWG's best run, Evolve's entire run, I think is in the 2010s. Uh, So you have, like, whole promotions. You have, like, actually good Shikara stuff. You have, like, the Southern Indies. You know, all this Lucha. I mean, there's so much to explore you're you're totally right there's no right or wrong way to tackle it but every list is going to look so different i'm so excited to see like what the consensus top or like countdown consists of because i just have no idea what that could even look like yeah it's 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 cool stuff i i hope everyone's excited for it i know i am um and stay tuned yeah, I will say, bit of a madman to go straight from Chris 100 2023 to Chris 100 2010s. I feel like that's going to take up, like, a good chunk of your spring <laughs> next year. Yeah, I mean, the beauty of it is that it is going to be multiple months that people have to submit their ballots, so I don't think I'll be constantly swarmed by them. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be a longer voting period than, like, the year year-end list and stuff like that so i think i think things are going to trickle in and it should be fine but we'll see maybe maybe i'll burn my but i like i said i actually have the time to be a little bit more creative and put the effort into side projects other than work so um it should compared to like what I was doing this past year between like working full time at a high stress job for little money and then like trying to cross check ballots and all that stuff. I think this even doing two in a row, I think will work out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Yeah. That's funny that you mentioned that since the last time we recorded, we both have new jobs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just, uh, you know, one, one of those things. Uh, I, I was going to, oh God, I had a point I was going to make. Yeah, it, it really seems like I remembered it. The, with the ballots, too, uh, like as somebody that's ran a couple of like ballot-based things before, it seems like you'll get a, a lot at the beginning, you'll have some trickle in, and then like the final week where you go like hardcore plug, you're like... That's oh. where everyone yeah. comes in. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, let me get my ballot. And, like, I think this year for my Chris 100... I think I submitted mine like maybe two days before the deadline. And I know I wasn't like, I was far from the last one. Yeah. There were, there were probably like, there might've been like two dozen people that came in after, after you still. Yeah. Well, I am excited to see what happens. Uh, I don't think it should be any sort of surprise or secret that we'll probably do a couple of episodes of this. Hopefully not in four months. Uh, revolving around like some of our Chris 100 2010s watching just because I, I figured that will be a lot of what we're watching. Although you're watching way more current stuff currently than I am. I'm actually amazed, but I mean, I, that was just, I've 
am I'm not watching a ton of st- I'm watching a ton of stuff, but also not watching as much as I like it was just all all G1. I was watching so much G1. I well, that was like 600 matches. I mean, I did I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you what. I did not watch all of those matches. Uh uh a fun trick while watching this year's G1 is uh you really don't need to watch that Shane Shane Haste match. You don't have to watch that Mikey Nichols match. <laughs> So funny. Today during lunch, I literally watched <laughs> Shane Haste versus uh Alex uh Coughlin. Uh because I was like, oh, because I, I liked Alex in his uh match with Moxley at Bloodsport. He seems like a fun, like power guy. So I was like, I'll watch it. I I didn't think it was bad, but man, it is crazy what uh what NXT did to Shane Haste. Yeah, uh, I was I was talking about it in a group chat, but it's kind it's kind of wild. Like I I was never a big into the mighty don't kneel in general, mm-hmm. and but especially not like their post NXT uh, New Japan run. So it's like I described it. I think. Haste and Nichols are better workers than Aussie Open, but somehow they still feel they still somehow feel like we have Aussie Open at home. <laughs> yeah. Just as far as like this is a this is a heavyweight tag team in New Japan that I have no interest in watching because these guys just put me to sleep right away. Yeah, I mean, I was a big fan of their of their Noah stuff. Uh, like, I mean, they they've had like good stuff with like uh, the Suzuki Goon like heavies, like Archer and Smith, and like Dangan Yankees, and uh, even I don't. I'm trying to think of other. They had a ton of like pretty good to great stuff in that like 2013 2014 range. And then they do like that whole Tokyo Dome angle before Suzuki Gun like goes to Noah, and it's just like, oh, uh, they're they're done for. It's bizarre that, yeah, I I, I don't know, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what Sean and Triple H are doing down there besides you know getting everybody to donate to QAnon or whatever. But it is nuts that they regressed. I. I I haven't even watched a Mikey Nichols match, uh, but like Shane Hayes is just like n- not any better than he was ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. Which makes me sad because, like I said, I really like them, and I think, but like them and the Mighty Don't Kneel with like Saber Junior and like uh, Fujita, like I like that as an idea. But the the execution leaves a little bit to be desired. <sighs> well, I I guess we should talk about some of these shows we've been going to. Yeah. So yeah, been to a decent amount of shows. I I'm trying to think since the last time we recorded. I I don't. And it's been so long ago that I'll keep this brief. But I went to uh, Actions 
fifth anniversary show in Georgia, like at the end of April. Complete mystery show. No wrestlers announced. No card announced. Nothing. Uh, so to my delight, the main event was uh, Adam Priest versus Daniel Macabe, uh for the for the action wrestling title, which was probably the coolest surprise. Like I I don't know why, but I, like I had an inkling. I was like, man, how cool would it be if Daniel McCabe came? I was like, he he has such a tie to the Southeast region. His actions, like, fifth anniversary show, you know. It'd be so cool if he came. But I was like, there's no way, you know, Matt's going to shell out the money to fly McCabe down for a mystery show in Tyrone, Georgia, and not even announce him, and, like, not even use him as a draw. But that match, for a couple of months, was, like, my match of the year. It's still, like, my number two um but it was absolutely incredible i just really want to highlight that like if you have iwtv like please go watch that action fifth anniversary show the whole show is really fun top to bottom but that adam priest versus daniel mccabe match is like a a master class of professional wrestling like (laughs) i because i took my wife with me and i was trying to explain to her why that match was so good and it's just like not a match for like a casual fan, like a lot of limb work. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, the stuff that both Priest and Makabe are like masters of. I was trying to explain it to her and she's like, yeah, I just don't get it. She's like, I thought professional wrestling was like this big, you know, bombastic like spectacle. And I'm like, oh, no, well, sometimes it could be this, uh, which is what I really like. But yeah, you, everybody needs to go watch that Makabe and Adam Priest match because it is truly, truly incredible. Yeah, that does that does seem like a treat because Yeah, you you were saying you weren't sure Matt would like fly him out because he like obviously he's worked the southeast a lot in the past few years, but it mm-hmm. seemed in the last year that he really has kind of stopped traveling as much and so he just kind of works in canada and the uh northeast or northwest american indies so like getting getting that kind of rare weekend from him where he is in town is really cool yeah and i I mean makabe has come out and said as much before which I, i actually got the opportunity to talk to him um after the show and he's like such a delight and we actually even before the, it was so funny before the show, um, like a week before the show, him and I were talking and we, and we were like, uh, I was like, Oh, you should come on. And we like, you know, do like a 30 minute bit for a podcast or something. He's like, yeah, that's cool. And then I saw him in person. I'm like, what are the fucking odds that this guy I've been talking to in Canada is just like here, like in Georgia, like I'm seeing you face to face. And it was a total surprise. So that was cool. But I know Makabe's been having some problems with his back, so that's why he's like, yeah, I mean, not taking a lot of wear and tear on the body. Yeah, but I mean, and I'm not just saying this because, like, I I I don't want to say I know the guy, but like I know him more than I know most professional wrestlers. Uh, All of his stuff this year has been really good. Uh, I highly recommend checking it out. A lot of his stuff is on YouTube uh, that you can check out, but that Adam Priest match really is like such a gem and i feel like it's going to get lost this year just because it did happen at a 
I guess a promotion in the southeast. Um, but yeah, I highly, highly, highly recommend seeking that out. If uh, any, if you like either of those guys, you're gonna love the match because it's like them at a hundred percent. It's awesome. Let's see here. Okay. Um, did you attend like any shows before? This past little bit. So I believe I'm pretty sure I talked about uh, like the last show before I did SummerSlam weekend uh, was the AEW show in April, which I believe I talked about at least briefly last last time. Yeah, I mean, that was just uh, Dynamite Rampage and Ring of Honor in Milwaukee and uh Swerve and Darby opened the show and that was in that was incredible. And also the last match on the Ring of Honor taping was Hio Del Vikingo versus Gringo Loco, which was awesome. And there was some other good stuff in there too. But yeah, those were the highlights and not much to say other than both of those were like it was it was a fun TV taping. But also sometimes it wasn't fun because I would be like crossfaded deep into the into the rampage taping and it was just like here's an Aussie open match <laughs> with a with the crowd being half as full as it was an hour ago. Yeah. That actually reminded me. I forgot. I went to an AEW House Rules show at the beginning of June. You talking about that literally just reminded me. That I went to this house rules show at the beginning of June, um, which I guess they're not doing anymore because they have collision on Saturdays now. But I thought it was like a fun little thing uh, running these smaller markets with like a, a vastly reduced crew. Like, I, I mean, your big names on there uh, it had Orange Cassidy and Darby. Yeah, like the Hardys this is in Huntsville, Alabama, by the way. Um, Je uh, Jeff Jarrett was there, which was awesome because him and uh, Sing versus the boys was a uh, ton of fun, but uh, yeah, nothing like super crazy to write home about. Um, it did have a really, really good six man tag that I was on YouTube as of a couple of months ago. It was uh, Preston Vance, Big Bill, and Ethan Page versus the Hardys and Hook. I would. I would recommend seeking that out because it's like Tony and full like Tenru mode, just putting six guys that are like loosely associated with each other in one match. But it, it was really cool. And also Tony came out and did a promo at this house show in Huntsville on a Saturday night, which was weird. But yeah, so but yeah, Tony, I lo Tony loves to hear to hype up the crowd. That man. That man loves the pre and the post show promo. It was so weird. Well, he he didn't come out pre show, and he comes he came out like the ring announcer whose name I, it's not the ring announcer from TV. I can't even remember her name. Um, but she is like doing, and she's like, and uh, now introducing to the ring, uh, like AEW CEO Tony Khan, and I'm like, oh bullshit! There's no way he's here. And then he comes out, and I was like, oh, they're obviously about to announce like a TV taping for Huntsville. Because they've 
one of the first dynamites was in Huntsville. Like pr a pre-COVID dynamite was in Huntsville, Alabama. So I'm like, oh, it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that they could run TV here again. And he just comes out. He's like, yeah, thank you guys, everybody, for coming. And uh, I just want to say, uh, I hope you. Uh, we have a great main event on tap for you tonight. And uh, yeah, have a great show. And he leaves. Cuts like a 20-second promo. And then just <laughs> leaves the arena. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you could just pre-record this. Yeah, you've got like you've got multiple, you've got like TV and multiple sports teams. Yeah, to, like. But the man, the man loves to loves to hype up the crowd. He loves to he loves to see he loves to see the smiling faces in the crowd. I guess he did. He looked right at me. I guess and was just like, "You're the reason I'm doing this." And yeah, okay. okay. I I was like. Uh, afterwards, he said, "I love Muscle Orchestra podcast." Yeah, <laughs> he he did. Actually, there was a sign in the crowd that said, uh, "I love Muscle Orchestra podcast," and Tony pointed it out. I was like, "Man, I wish one of the guys was here." And I went to get up to. I dragged my wife to a lot of wrestling shows this year. Now that I think about it, because she was also there, um, and she told me to sit down when I tried to storm the ring to greet Tony. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that was my AEW experience. I, God, I completely forgot about that until right when you mentioned it, because it was like at the start, because I took like 10 days off for vacation, and that was like day zero. I completely forgot that I even went. <laughs> oh, man, I'm glad you reminded me. Well, before we get to your uh, SummerSlam and GCW shenanigans, because I do want to hear all about that. Uh, I went to one or actually two more shows. Uh, it was a, a double header at the end of well, June 30th and July 1st. Uh, Colt Winslow and I went to ICW up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, which was my and obviously their first deathmatch show ever. And because deathmatch wrestling is like barred in Alabama, although there was a promotion that just ran. Apparently, the first athletic commissioned like death match in Alabama. So I don't know exactly how that worked. I don't know if they actually allowed blood or whatever. But you can't bleed in the state of Alabama. So I've never, I've, I've rarely have seen blood in wrestling live. Uh, so we go up there, and nothing can prepare you. So if you don't know, uh, these shows are at the TWE Arena, which is like if you watched SEI this year, if you watched TWE, um, a lot of these promotions that run that general area, like Chattanooga, Red Bank, Tennessee area, run this arena. Um, it's pretty tiny. I mean, you can fit a couple, like two, 250 people in there, and, and it looks nice. Um, but nothing prepares you for how long light tube dust lingers. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I again, I, I've never seen a light tube busted... I say that I was at the first Joey Janela spring break and I can't remember if the Matt Tremont Eddie Kingston match had light tubes, but I don't feel like it did. I know it had doors. But I don't feel like it had light tubes. And if it did, it wasn't that many and didn't leave like a a mark on me per se. And I was front row for that show, so I would remember. Um, But like <laughs> and these guys, first of all, both shows were absolutely incredible. If you have the chance to go to like. Because they did their pit fighter show, which 
I don't know if this is the setup at every show, but it literally looked like a dog cage with like plywood as the, the ring mat. Um, so that was super sick. I don't know if it's usually that small, but it was that small here and it was awesome. And then the next night was like actual, I think it was no hold barred 49. Maybe I don't remember the exact number. Uh, so it was like their actual proper deathmatch show, but everybody like busted ass. Uh, Tank had two like great matches that weekend, had an awesome match with Dr. Redacted and then him and Mickey Knuckles killed it. Uh, but Mickey Knuckles versus Peyton Blair, from the Pit Fighter show, which I had never heard of Peyton Blair. Uh, from what I understand, they're fairly new to the to the scene. And uh Mickey Knuckles like took her through the ringer. It was incredible. Maybe one of like the best beatdowns I've ever seen in wrestling. Like it's probably my number three match of the year for reference. Um, it is incredible. If you have not checked it out, like Mickey Knuckles. I want to say accidentally accidentally takes out like a chunk of her hair with a drill. Cause I guess she just not realized if you turn a drill on, on somebody's head with long hair, it is going to grab it. And so essentially just like scalps, like half of her head, super sick. Um, and they all hugged and stuff at the end of the match. Uh, you know, it was cool. Uh, but yeah, both those shows were absolutely insane. Like I said, uh, I'm just trying to think of like, there were so many like really cool matches that weekend. Uh, Sean Campbell versus uh, Brett Eisen was cool. Uh, Hardway heater had two great matches back to back. Oh, speaking of Adam priest, Adam priest and John Wayne Murdoch had a really, really great like death match with a lot of Southern tropes. So that was a lot of fun. It was just a awesome experience. Uh, that will probably be like a permanent, like every time ICW runs like the Chattanooga area, I'll, I'll probably make it a point to go. Like it was that good of a show. Yeah, I I wish I was able to make ICW in Detroit, but it was running way too close to SummerSlam proper for it to be. Like they're just like, oh, it's only so many minutes out of Detroit, and it's just like, yeah, but we know you're going to like. You're an indie show, so you're going to run long, mm-hmm. and also the traffic's going to be way worse by the time you're done. So it was just it, it wasn't feasible. But the, like I was really disappointed we couldn't, like they didn't run like sometime else that weekend because I would have loved to see ICW. Yeah, it, I will say one thing about the Pit Fighter shows: in and out in two hours. It was incredible. It was like a movie. Like, yeah, those are like the breeziest shows on the indies. Yeah, I mean, they're even great to watch, just watch because you turn it on. Every match is like eight or nine, maybe 10 minutes, and you get through a whole show in an hour and a half, two hours. I will say the No Holds Barred show was a little, it started to run a little long in tooth. Like it was like 1130 when we got out of there and it had like an eight o'clock, you know, bell time. And I'm like three and a half hours. Like, oh, you're, you're pushing it here. You're pushing it here. But they were both really, really great shows. And I honestly can't talk well enough about like how great those shows were got to see dylan for the first time well not for, i saw him at action in april for the first time legitimately in like six years but i got to see dylan again so that was always fun and uh in general just got to see uh some cool people that i hadn't seen in a hot minute so yeah those were uh that was my summer and then obviously i got a new job so and that's what i did this summer how how i spent my summer vacation yeah but Chris, I, I gotta hear about it. 
I got to hear about SummerSlam weekend with uh, the Twitter legends. Yeah. Um. So I before uh, before SummerSlam the night before uh, GCW was in town uh, because they do. I mean, Detroit's already one of their uh, rotational stops now. Mm-hmm. Um, they they run Detroit at least once, if not like twice a year now. Um, and so me, my brother, and his buddy who uh, was along was along for SummerSlam with us. Uh, we hit up GCW in downtown Detroit uh, the night before at Harpo's theater which is like a pretty old uh it used to be a movie theater movie palace but now it for like years and years it's been uh a punk and metal venue oh hell yeah uh yeah hell yeah except uh <laughs> it was like i don't know if you've i don't know if you've noticed but this has been a pretty hot summer yeah and uh I don't know if Harpo's regularly has AC, but if they do, it was not working. Oh awesome. Uh, well at least everybody was wearing deodorant, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> like obviously like like it was it felt like 120 degrees in that building, which was which was kind of a bummer. Because like you can you could definitely see it taking a toll on the wrestlers. Uh like uh Masha Slamovich worked Alec Price on one of the early matches. And Alec Price is already a guy who like has like the wetted hair and he's uh like he's six feet like one sixty mm-hmm. and that man was just you could see just like globs of sweat coming out like coming down from him and you're just like oh my gosh i can't Im- imagine being in the ring right now yeah and like it obviously took a toll on the crowd as well be- because everyone's in close quarters and i uh, like they've got fans running but it's only going to do so much and so like uh, the Commander versus Joey Janela match, which was a pretty solid match, all things considered. Uh, like that was when the crowd started kind of like chanting, "Like it's too hot," and "Where's the AC?" and stuff like that. And I mean, like Janela obviously has worked every possible like venue you could imagine as a pro and so like he's a guy who's able to like take that and work it into the match and stuff like that uh because he's a professional but you can definitely you could definitely see the heat taking a toll on the workers in the ring and it led to a little bit of little bit of sloppiness throughout the night uh still i mean uh gcw uh whether it's like from the peak of its height to like whenever they're in town, even if the card doesn't necessarily look great, it's always a fun company to see a show for sure. Yeah. Uh, and like, uh, 
I thought the two death matches on the show, uh, it was the second gear crew, uh, which was represented by Manders and Mance against the rejects. And they, they worked and like all around the arena brawl. And so like, that's one of those matches that everything I saw looked crazy, but I should probably watch it back on tape to see everything I missed. Uh, because yeah, they were all around the ring and like all around the arena and you can only follow like two guys at a time. And you hear like one corner of the arena reacting and then all of a sudden you see like a guy jumping off something and like that's always so cool in the arena but it's just like oh yeah i should probably like see if there's anything cool i missed but that was my match of the night uh and cole radrick and crazy king also had a death match uh which was really cool uh violence and forever worked a tag match with uh los macizos uh which was cool it was really short um and like some of some of the like building the contraption type stuff uh like they could there was def there was a spot where they wanted to get like uh two levels of chairs and doors but they could only get one upright at a time which kind of killed it a bit but like uh I mean, those are those are guys who are going to be fun in a brawl like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, the main event, the main event was Blake Christian and Mike Bailey, which I'm not, I'm not a huge Blake Christian guy, but it it was fine. Like Mike, it was fun to see Mike Bailey live. It it just kind of had the unfortunate, uh, initially Leo Rush was in that match instead of blake christian oh. and and so uh <laughs> and so you like buy your ticket with the expect like when the person booked is like one of your favorite wrestlers in the world who you've never seen live uh and i like like the match was fine but i, I mean i've seen blake christian plenty of times yeah uh, and i would have loved to see leo rush working mike bailey but unfortunately uh Leo has had to cancel some bookings with uh, I forget where he got hurt if it was like a New Japan Strong show or something or another, maybe it was another GCW show but unfortunately uh, he's had something lingering but yeah I mean even like it's a g- good show like even like my brother's buddy is like an indie veteran who had like been to plenty of shows in like the Chicago land area during the like peak ring of honor years and stuff like that. Uh, so he kind of knew what he was getting into, but like my brother, the only indie show he's ever been to was evolve. So like seeing him react to like some of the crazier, like, like actual deathmatch wrestling was really cool. And yeah, so it's like, you know, it's still a fun time when despite the heat, like everyone is just kind of a buzz afterwards. Oh, and uh, <laughs> I I guess I the after the main event was definitely one of the most bizarre things I've witnessed uh in a in a wrestling ring. 
because like Blake Christian was talking talking shit or whatever. And uh, to interrupt him was the person who was doing a concert uh, that you would have to purchase another ticket to after the show, Jeff Hardy. And (laughs) Jeff Jeff Hardy interrupted Blake Christian uh, and like got like obviously got all his big chance. And then Nick Gage uh came into the ring uh to forgive Jeff Hardy for drunk driving. What? That I mean that was basically the gist because like Jeff Hardy's promo was like I'm sorry for letting the fans down. Uh like I'm trying to do better and I'm happy that like f like after I used all of my chances in WWE that uh, I've still like I've still got one more chance in AEW, and I promise that I promise the fans that I'm working my hardest. And uh, then Nick Gage, J- Nick Gage's music hits, and he's just like, "You don't have a fucking thing to apologize for." <laughs> and it's just like, "All right, um, <laughs> this is this is bizarre." That's insane. I thought you were going to tell me that the Jeff Hardy concert was amazing. I didn't even uh, no, realize I it was not, a separate. <laughs> I did not stick around for the Jeff Hardy concert. Oh man, uh, that shit was starting at midnight. And uh, holy shit! <laughs> and I, yeah, I uh, have no such affinity for Jeff Hardy's music music career, especially when I have to be at another show the next day. Man, that's I had not heard. About the Nick Gage, <laughs> Jeff Hardy promo. That sounds incredible. What? <laughs> yeah. What an angle to finish to finish the show on. Yeah, because I know it was a big deal that when Jeff Hardy got announced for the Detroit show, everybody was like, "Oh, well, unsafe Jeff is working GCW. How?" And then GCW came out and was like, "Oh, he's just appearing. He's not wrestling." But they didn't say that in his the initial tweet. It was yeah, so it was, bizarre. Well, the initial tweet it was the the announcement that he is making an appearance and which i mean depending like with indie shows you never know what that will actually mean yeah like because an appearance could just be like a, a brief segment like that yeah or it could be a match yeah i mean to me if it's an active wrestler you could only read it as a match right <laughs> Uh, cause the same, it was, it was the same with Nick Cage or not Nick Gage. Uh, yeah, now if Nick Cage was there, that would have been awesome. Yeah. If Nick, Nick Cage came out after Nick Gage and, uh, he, uh, he related Jeff Hardy's struggles to his, uh, Academy Award fil- winning film, leaving Las Vegas. It was wow. Very touching. Wow. Well, it sounds like. Just another classic hashtag GCW moment that uh, I, I desperately wish I could have seen live. Oh, uh, did did the Nick Gage promo make it on stream or is or is this a live no, crowd exclusive? I have no idea because that seems insane that I've not heard anybody mention <laughs> Nick Gage forgiving Jeff Hardy for drunk driving. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. So I don't. 
I don't know if it made the timeline at all. All I know is that I told some group chats about it. And was Jeff is Jeff Hardy MDK? Uh, you know he's MDK all fucking day. Damn. Wow, Jeff Hardy, Maki Ito, Mike Jackson. Just a a whole gang of killers. Yeah. Oh, well, I now I got to hear about SummerSlam because I wonder because I did not watch SummerSlam. I can't remember what I was doing. SummerSlam. Yes, I do. I do remember. Okay. You missed you were too busy for the biggest party of the summer. Well, here's the thing, Chris. Back in my day, it used to be towards the end of August. What is this fucking bullshit where we're running the biggest party of the summer? The first Saturday of August. I I don't know, man. They're they're doing some I don't even try to figure out like why uh wrestling shows are scheduled the way the way they are anymore. Uh like shit's on sat shit's on Saturday now, dude. It's all on Saturday. Yeah, and then as soon as WWE makes the move to Saturdays, Tony Khan just decides he's gonna run Sundays, which is equally as confusing because Tony has no filter when it comes to like time limits. So he'll run a seven hour show on a non-holiday weekend Sunday. Like it's just the thing to do. Like, thank God all in is Labor Day weekend. Cause if it was not, uh, I probably wouldn't watch it live. I'm sorry. All out, all out, all in is the London show all out. Yeah. Is, is the see again. I also don't yeah, get why on. he's running those back to back weekends. It's not, it's not confusing at all. Yeah. It's not confusing. One's one's in London and one's in Chicago, the underserved Midwest, uh, metropolitan area known as chicago so but i'm ready to hear about SummerSlam. I, i'm ready for a full road report uh the full road report let me tell you something uh it was not great <laughs> that's what i wanted to hear um like i mean i i don't think i am shocking anyone saying that like starting this off with I am very much not a fan of the current WWE uh product um but I do like I love going to live shows like every like even at like the coldest period of WWE if I'm not like busy when they're running a house show or something I will like I'll try to go because it's like I like I like seeing live wrestling. It's a fun time. It's yeah. it's fun to be in the crowd and have a couple drinks and chant at stuff. Um and I had never been I've never been to a stadium show from any from AEW WWE anyone and it was in Detroit which uh my family is from the uh lives in the area uh and my brother's a big wrestling fan and uh, like we had kind of toyed with the idea in the past of like going to a rumble or a mania weekend sometime and so like with SummerSlam in detroit it was like a no-brainer that we were going to go yeah like it, like it doesn't matter like our thoughts on the current product whatever it's just like we need to go like it is at ford field um uh, a building that is near and dear to our hearts um so 
we went to we went to SummerSlam, and I've got to say, even if I am hyped for a show, I don't know how many like huge stadium shows I will ever want to go to again in my life. Uh, because it's cool to see so many people packing packing a stadium. Uh, until like it's time to get in line to enter the stadium. Oh yeah. Or once you're in the stadium, it's time to find the bathroom. Yep. Because uh, like I've been, I've been to Ford Field a, a million times in my life. I've been there for, uh, like the highs and lows of Detroit Lions football, which means I've been to plenty of to- like events where Ford Field is packed. But those are football games that. Uh, hold still hold thousands of fewer people in the building. Yeah, and you've got like not only everyone on the lower bowl, but everyone on like the floor, all like navigating the same lines, and it it's just a nightmare. Yep, yep. Uh, I will never go to. So I, when I went to Mania in 2017, I told myself as soon as I left Camping World Stadium, uh, I was like, unless they unless some promotion runs just like an absolute dream match for me, which I don't know what that would be until it was announced. I will never attend like a big stadium show like that again. Cause it is such a logistical nightmare. Like the whole time that you're, that you're there. Yeah. Uh, so, and I am. It's like, I, I'm like, I can be around people. I love going to shows and festivals and, uh, sporting events, but yeah. boy, like that is just way too cramped. Yeah, uh, it, it's way too much. Uh, but also, I I have I have an issue. Uh, not to do with any of the actual wrestling content. Uh, or the venue. So, uh, SummerSlam was in Detroit, Michigan, the Motor City. Uh, Motown, if you will, it was, uh, yeah, Motown. You might recognize that, uh, has like some musical connotations, uh, like a a very famous record label with a lot of like important artists that, uh, played music from Detroit and not, not just the Motown label that the city in general has a very rich, um, musical history. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, Eminem. That, the GCW <laughs> show that I went to was called My Name Is, and they played My Name Is on loop uh, throughout <laughs> ev- between every match and during intermission. God, that's uh, so they good. They only played Eminem, not like any other rappers have ever been from Detroit. Yeah. Well, they only played Sweet Home Alabama at the GCW show I went to in Huntsville in January. So, uh, but. <laughs> At least Eminem is, in fact, from Detroit. Tell me sure. why Canadian rock band Steppenwolf's Born to be Wild was the theme song for SummerSlam. Well, Tell me why. Tell me why. When I think of the biggest party of the summer, as SummerSlam typically is, I think of being wild. So I think you want to get people into the, the headspace that that's what they were born to do was to be wild. Okay. 
like, I mean, how would you feel if the theme for SummerSlam this year was like Stan? Uh, well, I would I was thinking more like, hey, uh, one of the famous uh, one of the famous Motown artists uh was Martha and the Vandellas and they have a very famous song that is called Heat Wave. Uh no. that might be that might be like a pretty logical song to do for the biggest party of the summer. No, because you don't want Michigan. people to get you don't want people to get hot. Maybe Ice Ice Baby. Local Look, Detroit native <laughs> yeah. vanilla ice. Yeah vanilla ice famous <laughs> Detroit rapper. <laughs> No, you're thinking we already talked about the other white guy. The other white guy is from Detroit. Oh, okay. I know um, you think all white people are the same. Yeah. Um God, so uh Let It Rock, maybe? I would not have been mad if they made it Let It Rock. <laughs> Kevin Rudolph? What here's my thing. After the success, uh, this is a tangent for a second. After the success of Greenlight by Flowrider. Why is that not the theme for every fucking pay-per-view going forward? That is a good question. You think, I, do you think six years later it would have ran its course? Because I think it would have got unfunny like during like the pandemic where everybody's at home and WWE's just like, yeah, give me the green light. But I think it would have looped back around now to being like funny and good again. Yeah, because like once they were able to run shows with crowds again, you would be literally giving them the green light. Yeah, I would have went ape shit if WWE's first show back with crowds which I guess was 2021 Wrestlemania technically but then they didn't have crowds again for like four months and then it was like SummerSlam but whatever um, imagine them not even announcing a theme song all of a sudden show starts and you just hear give me the green light I would have went ape shit I probably would have broke my TV yeah, everyone everyone would have been going nuts for Flo Rida and Lunch Money Lewis. Yeah, like, how are they not performing? Like, who the fuck is Hardy? I don't know. But I know who Flo Rida is. That's, that's true. Everyone knows who Flo Rida is. Yeah. Sorry, that was my tangent. You get... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's fine. So, uh, the show itself... Uh, so, the crowd... The crowd starts out like really hot. Like Detroit, pretty like pretty famous for having like good good crowds, excited fan base that's engaged. Like there have been like it's Ford Field has been host to a WrestleMania before. I uh, uh people forget this, but it was in fact at the Pontiac Silverdome. Uh, where Hulk Hogan slammed the giant in front of a hundred thousand screaming fans. Uh, so there is a rich history to for wrestling in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, AEW shows uh, have been very successful uh, when they've come around, and like last time they like the crowd was lightning hot last time AEW was in town. And like they were chanting for a pay per view, and Tony, it was like one of those moments where like Tony has to like come out and actually acknowledge it. And so you're just like, oh, is next year like, are they going to get a revolution or a full gear sometime? And so, like, even at 
a thing like SummerSlam, where obviously uh, an arena show, you're going to get a lot more casual fans mm-hmm. uh, because it's not just wrestling is in town. It's like, oh, it's a big wrestling event. There are billboards everywhere and they're at Ford Field. And so it's like, oh, I I haven't watched wrestling in years, but I'll check it out. Yeah. And you can probably Even, get cheap tickets for like 40 bucks. Yeah. Especially the day of. Yeah. Um. So like you like even so like detroit is still a, it's still a big wrestling town it's the it's the home of kevin nash after all Mm -hmm. um and so like they were pretty hot for logan paul and ricochet which was fine uh also very hot for uh cody rhodes and uh brock lesnar which i thought was match of the night from uh what I what like watched of the show, um. So, like it it wasn't my favorite Cody match or favorite Brock match. Like it was built it was built on a lot lot of Brock trying to get the count out victory, um. So it's like a a pretty deliberate pace, but I mean I love the Code Man and Brock. Obviously, uh, like his most recent few years haven't been the best run of his career, but he's still Brock and he has a presence. Yeah. Uh, so it was cool to see Cody get the win and Brock like do the show of respect afterwards. Um, after after that, LA Knight wins the battle royal, uh, which. I don't like LA Knight was probably like a top three most over person in the building. And like, I have seen it for you. I have like been the guy who just does not get it with him for years. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of Eli Drake when everyone was saying like, you know, impact, say what you want about TNA, but like this Eli Drake guy, he's got charisma and I'm just like, Sure. He says, dummy. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know when it happened. It. I'm going to be honest. He's, think, he's lightning hot in WWE now. Yeah. It had to be the Bray Wyatt stuff. Cause I feel like not even people in WWE, like the WWE people on my timeline were talking about him. And then like the, the Mountain Dew pitch black match happens. His, and then all of like, a sudden he's the most over fucking thing on the show. I mean, that's the magic of being with Bray Wyatt. He just, I mean, pushed yeah. Over. I mean, we all uh, know how that goes. We all we all know how how it is when you're in the howdy verse. Uh, but yeah, like it never like it seemed like he was decently popular in NXT, but he wasn't like getting these reactions. But he is like definitely the guy who like the hardcore fans are behind. Oh, yeah, my I have multiple casual fr- like friends and family members that will like occasionally check in on WWE. They're like, man, how have they not? I mean, are LA they not Knight's pushing LA Knight, bro? He, yeah, they, he has to be the guy that beats Roman, right? I'm like, what the fuck? Eli Drake? Yeah, I'm like, what are we watching? <laughs> uh, So, like, yeah, I was, I was the, and it, it do, didn't make things uh better that, like, the entire time you're in line or for anything everyone's just doing the yeah chant over and over again and it's really grating 
Yeah. Uh, be, like, uh, just like, boy, it's almost making me miss like, like everyone just doing Ric Flair woos because they're bored. Uh, before a show because it was constant. Uh. That's crazy. I just feel like he got so over like overnight because even when he overnight, when he came to WWE, he has not been this over like the whole time he's been signed with the company by any means. Like it's it's like just within the past like six months. And like at first, I almost feel like it's a psyop because I feel like the first time I ever saw mention of it was like a TikTok was like, man, yeah, WWE really needs to get behind this guy. And it was like very clearly like piped in cheers for him but then like i see like actual camera footage from like house shows and pay-per-views and stuff people lose their fucking minds for him and i I honestly just i don't see it they're like yeah he has all the charisma of the rock but he uh, he, he's a good wrestler which also i was like okay let's calm down but i i I don't get it i don't know maybe that makes me a wwe boomer i don't know uh, buddy, I'm happy you you were the one who uh, did the psyop allegations <laughs> because I I've been like in group chats for a while saying like LA Knight is a psyop. Yeah, I mean, Chris, there's even people like within our circle that are like pretty big LA Knight guys. Yeah, they're they're victims of the CIA, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't this fucking MK Ultra, but for something way dumber. It makes no sense. Uh, you want to talk about dumb? Uh, Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey in an MMA rules match. Uh, I have... I have never seen more people all at once go to the bathroom. And I don't think it was because it was the women's match. I just think... Uh, like, Shayna, Shayna has like been fine at multiple... Uh, multiple moments in her career, but boy, like the second Ronda run in WWE has been terrible. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where what happened because I mean, Ronda's first run in WWE, I mean, it legitimately looked like, I mean, like for, I mean, just for general wrestling terms, was having like the best rookie year ever. Had a ton yeah, of great TV was- stuff. Had an excellent mixed tag match with fucking like whatever 2017 2018 triple h and stephanie mcmahon and kurt angle and that match fucking ruled uh had a great matches with like every woman on the roster and then it seems like the moment they had that mania three-way she lost all of her magic yeah you, like there was there was a moment in time where you would watch Ronda and be like, is she the like is she going to be the female Brock? Yeah, because like obviously a big MMA crossover star, a household name for people who don't like who even don't watch um, like UFC. They know who Ronda Rousey, Rousey is because like she was the face of women's MMA for so long. And yeah, she was in movies and on TV and. Like yeah, and everybody's seen Expendables. Yeah, everyone, everyone's seen the Expendables. Everyone has seen Entourage, the movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone loved the scene where she beat up Turtle in Entourage, the movie. Uh, but yeah, that was that was 
just like a complete nothing and like MMA rules, which you never know, like when, especially when like a big company does like MMA rules, like what does that even mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, I will say I don't, I'm just mostly, I caught a little bit of it, but this is when I went, uh, because I wasn't able to meet up with them. Uh, before the show, I met up with Parker and uh, Barack says, who are two friends of the show, uh, longtime Twitter mutuals, and I had never met them before, and they were at SummerSlam, and uh, they DM'd me like, hey, uh, go to like this section where there's some tables and phone chargers, and we're just going to hang out for a bit and watch on the screen. Uh, so we did that, and just kind of shot the shit for a while and that was a that was easy like i mean that's why you go for someone like me you like you like going to wrestling and you like being in the crowd but uh when you're like a terminally online wrestling person you go to these shows partially because you want to meet up with uh meet up with people like that who you either haven't met or you haven't seen in a while unfortunately uh, I wasn't able to link up with Ty, uh, another friend of the show. Um, but I mean, it was great to talk, uh, talk to them for a bit. It was disappointing. We pretty much talked through uh, the Gunther versus Drew McIntyre match, which, uh, from what I've gathered from people who watched like the show and like watched that all attentively was the best match on the show either that or the next match which i also missed most of, most of which was rollins versus finn balor um but i will say you would not be able to tell from the crowd so i like the crowd was hot for the first three night or three matches of the show and really died at that uh, Ronda Shayna match. And I don't know if it was like, like it was as quiet as a mouse for Gunther versus McIntyre. Like we, like we were watching on the screen and being like, it seems like they're having a good match, but like nobody is reacting. Like, and uh, this is going to get into uh, my. F- my point as I talk about the top two matches on the card. Uh, so after Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor, uh, which was another match that for a while the crowd was kind of dead, but they did like some teases with, uh, with, I cannot think of Finn Balor. What's the Finn Balor Dominic? stable name judgment day judgment day yeah like as soon as like judgment day started getting involved the crowd got hot uh maybe it's just judgment (laughs) i i think it is judgment day but okay yeah it's judgment day (laughs) i had to look it up and so they really name a stable after a pay-per-view like once they started teasing interference and uh cash-ins like things picked up with the crowd and then the crowd got quiet again 
for the women's triple threat, which was Bianca Belair, Asuka, and Charlotte Flair. Um, and I mean, I'm I'm not a guy who's going to love one of these matches anyway. I've talked at length about how I hate triple threat matches. Uh, the style just is not conducive to like particularly interesting wrestling because you because like unless you've just got and I'm not saying I'm not saying fucking Asuka is a bad wrestler but like unless you've got like three extremely dialed in wrestlers with like a plan uh like a plan of attack it is going to be really hard to just work over the crutch of okay, we basically have to write one person in this match out of the match at all times. Yeah. Um, And the crowd was just so tired for such for most of the match. And it didn't get started, like, didn't really get going until, uh, like, there was a worked injury with Bianca. Uh, where she got carded and you you kind of saw people going like, oh, is she legit hurt? Is this a work? What's happening? And she comes back and she wins the match. Uh, and so they're going crazy for that. And then you get. Uh, after after that, uh, you get EO Sky uh, doing the women's money in the bank cash in and winning which also gets the pop. And so it's just like, I think part of it is just like the structure of the match isn't great, but also at the same time, it really does feel like the match is just a victim of like, and all there was a lot of discourse over the crowd being quiet during this match and the main event, uh, and other matches, uh, is just like I think so much of it is just conditioned into uh what I would call moments booking capital M moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone loves to witness a moment at a wrestling show. Um and so you kind of know like the cadence of the WWE especially big show match. And so you know how it's going to rise and how it's going to fall. And then you know you can you know when the moment is going to happen. And it's either going to be a big spot or it's going to be a run-in or it's going to be a cash-in or it's going to be like a worked injury or something. But mm-hmm. that's going to give you that moment. Yeah. And so you're just like every so many people are checked out. Because, like, they're just watching a wrestling match. Like, Gunther versus Drew McIntyre. Nobody is making noise during this match. They're just wrestling. They're yeah. just having a wrestling match. And, like, obviously these guys have had, like, the main, obviously the main crowd for, like, that match with Sheamus was going wild. Yeah. But, like, that's not going to happen every every time. And you're going to... And also that match was just, like, a huge build based on months and months of months and months of these guys beating the shit out of each other and this is the match where they beat the shit out of each other the most and so it it was at the apex of the crescendo yeah but like there's so many matches where it's just like 
it just feels like everyone is it's just like yeah this is fine and then they're just but they're waiting for that moment to happen and the and the capital m moment happens and then they go this is awesome and it's just like is it like you were like everyone was quiet like like there were maybe like 10 people in the section making noise 30 seconds ago yeah i i feel like too you mentioned earlier like this crowd is a lot of casuals because it is this big stadium show in this big area that has been promoted for weeks and weeks and weeks you have to imagine i mean these people to me which i i can't get in the mindset of a casual fan because i mean obviously we're not casual fans but like as a casual fan do you actually like give a shit about what the in-ring work even looks like or are you just like man how fucking cool would it be if they went through a table or oh my god what if we saw the title change how cool would that be i would lose my mind for that but like somebody like no especially for wwe and i feel like even with aew we're seeing a little bit to an extent just by virtue of being the second largest promotion in the country like people just kind of don't from a casual standpoint, just kind of don't care about like the, the ring. They, they like the characters. I mean, fuck, that's why the bloodline is doing like the best ratings. WWE TV has seen in like seven years. It's Cause people yeah. care about the story and the drama and it's not really so, which, you know, however you want to watch wrestling is fine. But I just feel like if you're, if you're watching wrestling for like, for something like the bloodline, why not just watch like any other television show from the last 10 years? Or do you really think Roman Reigns deserves an Emmy? Yeah, that, that, that always is what, cause it's just like, I know, I know there are a lot of people that like that play up the, it deserves an Emmy stuff because it pisses off like the fans of other promotions yeah. are just going to be like, no, it's not. But it also is just like, have you watched a television show? Yeah, like, have you ever seen any? There's a little. Have show... you seen actors? Yeah, like, there's a little show called The Sopranos that <laughs> came out like 25 years ago, but like, it's this, but just one million times better in every single way. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, you're exactly. I like it. it kind of blows my mind that right now there is a subsection of wwe fans that are watching specifically smackdown because they're not watching raw for their ideal of prestige television it's it's kind of baffling to me honestly yeah and that that's a good segue and it it is a very into the main event which is roman reigns and jay uso in a tribal combat match uh and that really gets into the crux of so Roman Reigns is like on like you cannot argue that he is bigger than he has ever been uh, on this championship run. Obviously, like all of the bloodline stuff, like it get gets raved from the fans. It is like I I have seen like. Ha- like casual watchers get really into the bloodline stuff mm-hmm. uh on tv 
uh and like he he is like their legit biggest star oh in, yeah in years easily the closest thing they've had to an actual draw since like heyday cena yeah i mean easily because i mean i i said for years that wwe is the draw wwe no longer ha- especially when cena went to part-time WWE didn't have a top draw. The the draw was WWE, but no. Now WWE has a clear top draw and Roman yeah. Reigns. If Even, you would have told me that in 2018, would not have fucking believed you. Yeah, even at the start of like the Tribal Chief run, like it was still very much the brand is the draw. Yeah. And it like it took until crowds were back mm-hmm. and a little time after that where it really seemed like Roman was legitimately like legitimately a l- extremely hot act. Yeah. It and was like pr- probably nearly a year after cause what he won the title in fall 2020 and it was probably like late summer, early fall 21 where you started seeing it in the TV ratings and with the crowds, like just being so hot for it. Yeah, it was like once Sammy was really firmly in the mix, and I would say prob like around the time of like the Drew McIntyre stuff was when I felt like it was really getting inescapable. Oh like, yeah, and like it's like oh wow, people are talking about WWE on my timeline again. That's bizarre. Yeah, yeah, uh, but and like. Some of those matches people really liked, and uh, and it's like I don't think the Roman and Jay match was necessarily worked too differently. I've never been like I have been like okay, I cannot argue the fact that Roman as a character is over. Like I might not like I see how it, I like never understood how people liked the matches. Uh, like I, I knew that they were getting great, uh, great reception, but it was just like, all right, like, because I was a, I was a fan of Roman before the tribal chief. And I've like seen him have like great, great, like matches as just like a really good wrestler. Yeah. And so like seeing him work more of like doing the slow monologues, doing the just like glacially paced stuff and so it's like i think this is where but like most of those matches have still been like really acclaimed but i feel like this match in a lot of ways was just how was just like them kind of trying to just keep that going and keep that going and now is the point where fans are just like Roman wins LOL. So you're you're like they're kind of like recognizing the beats in all of his matches mm-hmm. and like everyone everyone and so I took a video that uh like that like went a little like it made the made the wrestling Twitter circles from the building during like the portion of the match where Roman and Rain, uh, Roman and Jay were doing crowd brawling, and 
the crowd was dead. And like, like I will, I will say like, that was not the crowd for the entirety of the match, but it was the crowd for too much of the match. And it wasn't even like the last match where they were like looking for moments. The crowd was just like looking for something to happen. Yeah. Because they would do, they would do a move and it would get a, like Roman would, there would be a soup. Jay would hit a super kick and it would get a huge pop or he would hit the splash or like, uh, they would go through a table or Roman would like, like hit a big move to quiet the crowd or something like that. And like, or like not quiet the crowd, but like to get the crowd to boo him. Um, and then like between the moves, like they were, it really seemed like they were trying to maximize, uh, all maximize the heat between the moves, except there was no heat between the moves. So it just made everything seem more like a slog than it already was. Yeah, and it and was you're already just, asking a lot from people to get invested in like a 45 minute main event match at the end of this huge stadium show, anyways. So yeah, yeah, and it's like I I kind of see like they like they did it with the Sammy match, and they did it with the Drew match, and they've done it like all throughout this Roman run, but it really just seemed like that this is where like things are falling out off and like I never expected for a minute Jay would win but like everything with Jimmy interfering and betraying Jay after he had already betrayed Roman and it's just like what are we doing like it makes just no like sense. I can I can give I can give all of the caveats of like everything before and it's just like okay like people people seem to like this but this isn't like this whole tribal chief stuff just isn't for me. And it's like, I might think it sucks, but it like, I, I can't lie. Like watching these shows and it, it had like, it gets crowds going and gets people tuning in, but it like this, it seems like everyone who, obviously there are people who still loved it. There were people in my uh, mentions defending the match being like, uh, they're not making noise because they're too captivated by the tribal chief. Yeah. And, uh, and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, and it's just like, but this really seems like after all the cracks in the bloodline uh, from us, like all of the, this is the crack in the bloodline, the story. And it, it just seems like, okay, like this has been undoubtedly a successful run for Roman and WWE. But at this point with all of the twists and betrayals and whatever, as the bloodline turns, how much longer can you get people other than like the WWE super fans who are never going to, uh, like never going to turn their backs. Like if they hadn't didn't turn their backs, like during the pandemic when it was a when the tr chief wasn't like when they didn't have a legitimately hot product and they didn't turn their backs like these people are never going to like turn their backs but like 
how much longer are all these fans that just got back into it and are engaged? How much time is left on there? And are they going to wait? Like, assuming now the story is once again Cody at Mania, are you going to get people on board for that for six more months? Yeah. Like, two with like the rumor that Roman is injured, so he can't wrestle right now. Um, the rumor that they want to hold Jimmy versus Jay till Mania. And then the rumor that Cody just gets the match again at Mania anyways. It it seems it almost seems so stupid that it's probably going to work for that sector of the audience. But my question is because I think oh God, there's a stupid fucking quote that's been making the rounds. I think Heyman said it and you know, whatever. But he said, Oh, the bloodline story right now is in like the top of the third. What the fuck does that are you saying there's like six more years of this shit? Yeah. That people I mean, at this point, I think it'd be funny if Roman like beat San Martino's reign, because why the fuck not at this point? He's had the title for three years why not let him have it for six more whatever who cares especially since she made a fake world title anyways yeah so you still you still have your title you can hot potato with it it it's so weird that they're just so in like this is like the thing that wb is like digging their heels in for and it doesn't really matter like the regime that's in charge i mean i know we joked for years oh there's a political hit on roman reigns led by triple h well, triple h had fucking creative control for nine months and well, didn't do anything different <laughs> like as far as like the bloodline stuff goes like so what what is the end game for the bloodline like like if cody wins like at that point at mania 40 just say if that is it who cares at that point yeah and and it's really weird that this has been this has been so tied to the title and they won't like they because you could have you could easily still be doing all of this blood bloodline stuff like if if say cody cody won at mania or sammy won in Montreal, like it's pretty abundantly clear just based off of like people still tuning into the TV. Mm -hmm. Like why does, what's the importance of Roman having the title? Because you could obviously easily tie in like him losing the title to all this drama and make him like even matter because he's without his title and like, but, and like two do do the people that they will ace who's been, bested uh and is mad about it is like a time-honored tradition in wrestling yeah and like do the people that wb have managed to draw in with this do they even care that roman has the title like do like do the people that either they've bought back in or even newer viewers of wrestling do they care that he's had the title for three years like i don't think so because like because like he only defends it so often and like some of like when he has matches uh like he'll have like those tag matches bloodline tag matches and stuff which get seem to be just as acclaimed as like his title title matches if not more yeah i mean 
I, yeah, it, it it makes no sense, especially too if like if for instance Cody does win it at Mania forty for whatever reason, like them not doing it at thirty nine at that point just seems like padding stats. Or like, oh well, why don't we just add another three sixty five to Roman? It's like, but what's the point? And like, yeah. how do you get there again? Because like this year, it was so organic. Like, yeah, I like on, honest to God, I think Sammy probably should have won it in Montreal. I think that was the time to do it. Um, oh yeah, like whatever. You know, change Mania plans. Do a fucking triple threat at Mania. Who cares? Um, the one place a year you can get away with doing like a a big triple threat and people not being too upset about it. Whatever. Um why not do that but like how are you going to create cody like finishing the story again like it like it ruins so many different character arcs like i I don't think you understand cody now has the respect of brock lesnar which he did not have a year ago you know what you're right you're right so i hope he can ride that way from fucking august to april chris i i hope he can ride that high for eight more months but like like Sammy, like if you're watching the Bloodline stuff, at what point are you going? Oh well, obviously this is going to finish with him being tag champions with his best friend. And don't get me wrong, that tag title match, uh, you know, Owens and Zayn versus the Usos was great. I really, really liked that match. But like, it just, it doesn't make sense. I feel like you you are throwing away so many different character arcs for so many other of your guys that you only have a finite amount of time with, anyways. For the simplicity of being able to say, isn't it crazy we had a guy world champion for 1,500 days in the modern era? That's unheard of. And it's just like, who, again, the people you're drawing in with this don't fucking care. Yeah, it, and it's and it's just weird, be, like, just talking about what are they going to do? Because it's just like, it has to end like, eventually. Yeah, eventually. Like, I mean, he's going to hold the title forever. You've been getting you've been getting these like reactions and gates for so much of this, like when the bloodline few story is over, what's next after Mm -hmm. that? Because like Roman has dominated all these guys and like you even had to make your Mickey mouse title belt just for there, there to be like to have a reason for guys not to leave. Yeah. To, and for there to be like for there to be title mat world title matches on shows that Roman Reigns isn't working or is only working a tag match. And so like you made this other belt and it's just like I I it almost feels as like they're so blinded by this like little boom period that they're just kind of throwing away what like instead of like finding ways that they could build that uh, and like move forward to it and continue the success. It almost, it's almost like that. They know it's like, Oh, this isn't going like, this is an anomaly. It's not going to happen again. So we're just going to ride this wave. Yeah, exactly. Because like you mentioned earlier, capital M moments, that is WWE's whole business plan at this point is creating those capital M moments. They've just so happened to have struck gold, you know, lightning in a bottle with the bloodline that they're constantly trying. Like they probably have a room full of writers right now, desperately as if their jobs depended on it, trying to come up with, 
well, what do we do after this? Because Roman's 38. You yes. know, how, how many more years do you think he's going to be an active wrestler? Do you really not think, you know, this, you know, fit six foot three guy that you have been doing, been having do nothing but monologues? For the last three years, you really don't think he's going to make the jump to Hollywood like your other top guys have in recent? I mean, like how how much more time do you think you have with Roman as a full time? He's not even a full time guy now. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, like I, I will say. I have always been skeptical about the Roman Roman Reigns in Hollywood period because uh. Like people, people will always talk about Roman. Like, yeah, he's going to go Hollywood, like, like The Rock and like Cena. But it's just like this is a guy who, like, he has not even like had his own WWE studios mo- movies. Like, they weren't even putting him in those. He, he was in the fat that Fast and Furious spinoff. I was gonna say they're he was making in a Hobbs and Shaw. Shaw too. He was in Hobbs and Shaw, but he didn't have any lines. Like well. he, he could have easily like hit hit one of his catchphrases but like he didn't even do that and it's like at this like at this point in their careers like cena like the rock the rock had the scorpion king and the cena had and john cena had uh the marine which like i mean not not the biggest success but it's like a proof of concept of him as an actor so I mean I guess you could say this Maybe he pulls like, all the bloodline all the bloodline stuff. I mean Batista is the ultimate anom- anomaly for wrestling yeah. actors and that he's like a legitimately great character actor in yeah. ways that like he has depth like The Rock and Cena have performances that are good and even great but like but Dave Batista clearly has a depth to his craft in a way that like no other wrestlers turned actors have ever been able to touch. Yeah. Maybe Kevin Nash and magic Mike. I mean, Oh, true, true. <laughs> he is awesome. in magic Mike double XL. Yeah. He's great at that. I hate that his only scene in the last dance was him on zoom. But, yeah. You know, whatever. Oh, <sighs> I did not expect to go on a uh, us to go on a diatribe about the WWE modern day I, booking and the bloodline. <laughs> I did, and I I apologize to all of our listeners. We will never do this again. Uh, this is not what we promised you. Uh, but ha- like when you go to when you go to SummerSlam and you see the Jey Uso Roman Reigns tribal combat match, and you've got a podcast, you can't not talk about it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> So I had to get all of that out of my system. Uh, but ne- next time we're together, I promise we'll just talk to you about like John Wayne Murdoch matches or hell yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll watch a bunch of I watched a Zona 23 deathmatch tournament uh, yesterday uh, from May and it had a, it, like it was pretty solid top to bottom but it had like a los macizos versus the pigs match which which rocked i will we'll talk we'll talk about like stuff you would actually like stuff that every other podcast hasn't already talked about two weeks ago yeah. uh, we'll get to that 
Uh, but we, I need, we need to get, I need to get this out of my system at least. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. Um, it, it's funny. Hopefully now that Chris and I are at jobs, we both don't absolutely despise and have more free time for stuff. Hopefully it won't be Christmas before you hear another episode. Oh no, I would, I would love to. Uh, I've got to go back in our chat because I know we were tossing around some other ideas that, uh, for what's next after we got uh the SummerSlam episode out of the way. Yeah. Well, Chris, I think that's the show. Are you are you ready to dive into some plugs here, or any last last minute thoughts on our tribal chief? Um, no more thoughts on the chief. Uh, again. Shout out Parker, shout out uh Baraksas uh for being cool guys that I liked hanging out with online and offline. Uh shout out to Ty. I hope next time I'm in Michigan we can link up. Uh shout uh follow me at Fight Haskins. Uh join uh the Chris one hundred dot freeforums dot net. And uh, talk to me about your favorite uh, Yoshihashi undercard matches of the 2010s. Hell, is there already a Yoshihashi thread? There is not a Yoshihashi thread. Ah, I, was damn. Just, I was just throwing stuff out there. <laughs> that would have been fucking awesome if somebody's first thought was like, I got to talk about these 2011 chaos under ta- undercard tags. Oh, man. That would have been incredible. Um... Well, yeah, and I'll I'll make sure there's a link for like all the Chris 100 2010 stuff like in the description, so like you, you can click the link in the description of the podcast. But uh, thank you everybody for listening to this show. As always, uh, go check out everything else we have on the AYCH Extra Channel. Got some backlog boys for you. Got a new backlog boys coming out for you week after next. That's real hot. Got some cool games that we're gonna be talking about soon. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at AYCH podcast. That's where you're going to get all your up to the minute news about what we're doing, streams, videos, all that cool jazz. Check us out on twitch.tv slash all you can hear. Well, with the day this comes out yesterday, um, we streamed, uh, some Jujutsu Kaisen Fortnite stuff, got some cool streams coming up. So, you know, keep your eyes out there youtube.com or at aych podcast or all you can hear you can search either will show up uh instagram aych podcast leave us a like review subscription on all your podcast feeds and services that helps us out tremendously go follow the tiktok at aych podcast because winslow and i are going to a film festival uh next weekend so we're gonna have some cool shit from there and you can follow me on twitter at tanner one four nine five all right, Chris. That's the show. La- last words? Uh, acknowledge me.